Welcome to Mo Man Talk. I'm your host, Shiso Moa. On today's guest, he is very young. At 15 years old, he's a pro motorcycle racer. He's also a philanthropist, too. He built a cafeteria in Thailand from all the proceeds he gained from his wins and the matches of motorcycle racing. Well, he's here to tell the story of all it went down and his experience as a two-wheel racer. Are you looking for the latest Hmong-inspired menswear? Well, look no further. Shiso's menswear makes suit accessories, apparels, and you can find them at www.xixomenswear.com. Hey everyone, we are super excited. We have a really, really young gentleman, by far one of the youngest gentlemen here that's been uh, riding two wheels since 15. And uh, wow, this guy is amazing. Welcome, Aiden. Thank you. Black and green over there, I see. The, the cowie. Yeah, yeah, gotta, gotta represent our team shirts, you know, represent Kelly Shine and a lot of our major sponsors. They are super awesome, and without them, there's no you, but you, it's, it's got to make one, got to make the team, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Aiden, tell us one thing we don't know about you. Uh, there's, there's a few things, uh, maybe not just one thing. Um, I'm a, I'm a real big outdoorsman. Uh, when I'm not, when I'm not at the track, you know, I'm not training or I'm not doing schoolwork. You know, I, you know, I'm a real big outdoorsman. I like to go hiking with my dog. Uh, I like to do a lot of fishing too. And uh, another big thing that I like to do uh, some, sometimes, I'm a big gamer too. So I play a lot of uh, Call of Duty, CSGO, uh, Rainbow Six Siege. And um, sometimes I'll play, uh, you know, Call of Duty with uh, a lot of my fans, you know, all over the world. So uh, sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll hit me up on Messenger and, you know, they'll, they'll be like, hey, you know, are you down to play a few games? And then I'll get the username and everything and then I'll go play with them. Warzone? Warzone, yeah. yeah Bring Warzone. it on, buddy. Bring it on. Yeah. Uh, you know, which c- kind of talks about our last episode. For those of you who haven't heard, the last episode, we had a 24-year-old guy who was a pro, League's a legend. In uh, 2018, he's number one. So I may meaning to have him play, me and him play together and troll my brother. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. know that the guy's number one player. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, biggest size bash you caught, man? Uh, my PB is 11 pounds. 11 pounder. <laughs> yeah i'd be lucky to get six pound here in the midwest it is very very uh, tough very very yeah, tough no, to get um the midwest and the, the east coast uh, i believe minnesota's uh lake record i i believe it's eight pounds up there yeah it's yeah. not that big I, yeah. i've seen cali like easily t- double digits it's like double digits almost it's almost kind of a common thing you mm-hmm. know but if you catch a six seven pound that's that's bragging right in wisconsin Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> now you know. Before we all get started, man, I want to take you back when you were a kid and fourteen, fifteen, and and picking up your first Kyrie little Ninja two fifty, dude. Oh uh, man, what makes you want to be a motorcycle racer? And when did that get started? Uh, it started when I was uh, you know, the thought of riding motorcycles, you know, never. Uh, motorcycle racing profession never really was, uh, you know, was in mind at the time. Uh, I started riding when I was 15 and, uh, you know, I, I had to do a lot of begging <laughs> to my, uh, my mom and dad to give me a bike at 15, you know. You know, most, most parents, you know, wouldn't give their 15-year-old a, a street bike, you know. It's not too common. So I had to do a lot of begging and then, uh, you know, good grades, of course. Um, yeah, so 
you know, the thought of it first came when I was 14. Um, I saw a weird story. You know, I was watching a lot of MotoGP because, like I said, uh, my, my, my family were real big car people. You know, I grew up around cars my whole life. My older brother, uh, my dad, of course. Um, my dad's a real big car guy. So he's real big into a JDM and import cars. And that's the only thing I knew growing up as a kid. No one, no one really taught me about bikes. You know, I kind of introduced to myself. The, the way I would say how I introduced motorcycles to myself was just watching MotoGP. Uh, MotoGP, MotoGP popped up. And like I said, I never thought that I would be racing professionally. You know, was it three years from, from when I first thought about it when I was 14? Yeah, so like I said, it's just, it just kind of introduced it to myself. And, you know, I had to do a lot of begging and stuff to my, my parents, of course. And, uh, you know, I, that's, I guess, everything is history from there. So I can see from your mom is definitely be a, will be the first thing she's like, no, that's, that's, that's a yeah. death trap on wheels. That's a death trap. Not my son's that right. Two wheels. Uh, no, it's, so it's, always, it's always the moms too. It's yeah. Always, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get, we'll never get back to your mom, but tell us more about your dad. Your dad was technically the first pilot, right? And in, in, in the U S um, to ever uh, fly a plane. And does he fly commercial or, you know, yeah, he or, flew, uh, commercially. That's, that's awesome. How's your relationship with him? Oh, me and my dad were super close, <laughs> super close, super tight. Uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the baby of the family. So, you know, I kind of get, I kind of overrun, you know, uh, I would say I'm the, the, the baby and like mommy's child, you know, and um, me and my dad, we're, we're super close because, you know, sometimes my, my, either my mom's working and, you know, me and my dad, we go to the track and I get, I get to spend a lot of time with my, uh, my dad. And like I said earlier, I'm a real big outdoorsman. You know, my, my dad's the one that introduced me to, you know, hunting and fishing and, you know, just the outdoors in general, camping, et cetera. And, uh, and we're, real, we're real close. And yeah, my, my father was uh, the first uh, pilot here in America. And, uh, you know, he, he, he wanted to do something big with me as well. And uh, so was my older brother and my, uh, my two older sisters too. And, uh, my dad was the first Hmong pilot here in America when uh, the Hmong people first came here. And, you know, I, I, you know, just not too long ago, I became the first uh, professional racer, Hmong racer here in America. No, you used to say it a little bit louder, man. You should be proud of that. That's why we we're happy to have you on because you are the next generation of pros. Um, and you are the first, literally, the first at, uh, within only two years. Now, that is very, wow, extensively, like, short. Two years, like, who taught you two years? Like, you know, how to, you know, become a pro in just that two years. I know, because I know your dad doesn't ride. No, my dad doesn't ride. On a plane, but not on a bike. <laughs> so who yeah. taught you? Um, you know, for, uh, you know, for the three years that I've been riding, you know, a lot of it, like, like I tell a lot of people, you know, that I get this question a lot, you know, they're like, how, oh, you know, how'd you improve so fast in such a short amount of time? Because, a lot of the racers that, you know, MotoGP, Mark Marquez and them and Valentino Rossi and, you know, just in general, like the, the junior cup racers that I race against, that I'm going to be racing against this year, you know, they all been riding when they're, you know, three, four, five years old, when they can barely start walking. Um, I have a lot of, I had a lot of personal trainers. I had a lot of professional trainers that uh, trained me one-on-one. -on -one. That's, that's one way that, you know, I improved a lot, but, you know, what I found out is, is just, it's yourself too, because 
when when you have a personal trainer, you know, they're they're teaching you, you know, how to get faster, how to carry more corner speed, how to break deeper into the corner. But they could tell you all those things, but if you can't put it in play, then it's you know, there's no point if you can't put it to play by yourself. A lot of things that I noticed too was that having a lot of these personal trainers, these professional trainers was good, but a lot of it just comes from yourself and just seat time, you know, just getting comfortable with the bike and getting to know how the bike reacts in certain situations, making sure you don't upset the bike. And 90% of it, I, I just say it's Gus. You need the Gus and you need to go down a few times. You need to, you need to crash a few times to really find out that limit. And yeah, like it's, it's a lot. I could sit here for the next hour, you know, telling you about, how, how much of a how much of a learning curve it is you know for this for uh improving such a short amount of time but that's just a quick uh breakdown and brief about everything but like like i said it's just more it's just more of yourself it seemed like it's definitely you could say it's somewhat of a gift and natural added too as well but starting at a very young age and of course having a coach just speed up the process of of uh you know, experience and giving it to you on this matter of implying and implementing it. Of course, learning and rubbing your knee and, you know, going low side or high side on your bike and, you know, face canning yourself to Laguna Seca, you know, in the back, in the, in the long, long terms, you know. So I'm pretty sure you've been there quite a few times already, you know, low side or high side, just, you know, eating grass. Mm-hmm. But that's how you learn. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, fastest bike you've been on in your experience. I rode a lot of fast bikes. Uh, I rode a lot of 1,000s. That's, that's the fastest bikes I, I rode. Um, it's hard to say. I rode a, a BMW R1M. I mean, a, a R1M. I rode a BMW HP4. You know, they're, they're all really fast bikes. The, the fastest bike that I rode was probably the R1M. I'm not saying the HP4 is any slower. The BMW is any slower than R1M. It's just that I went faster than the R1M. And it felt faster because of the, the power band of the bike. It just reacts so much differently compared to the BMW. I'm surprised you didn't say like a Busa with a big turbo and some nitrous. <laughs> nitrous and a bottle on the back. I'm like, that's really fast now. Uh-huh. <laughs> These bikes yeah. were not boosted or nothing, right? Yeah, no, no. They're, they're okay. All, yeah, they're all stock. They're all stock still. Tunes, yeah. But maybe one day I'll, I'll like to, you know, get on a high Busa or, you know, an H2, you know. With the turbos on top of it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, my chance, I've been getting, I've been, you know, CBRs, Jixers, biggest bike I've ever ridden uh, was an R1. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a chance to drive BMW 2 and S1000. And I just like, I shook my head like, that's a very fast bike. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I know how fast the R1 is, it's very torquey, but like, I know that thing's even quicker. I'm like, that thing scares me, man. That thing just scares <laughs> me. Uh, a Honda Ruckus is good enough for me. Honda Ruckus, Honda Ground, yeah, that's always <laughs> fun too. Yeah, that's good enough for me. Um, with all these tracks you've been to, whether it's Buttonwello, Road America, uh, Rolana, so forth and so on, your favorite track you like? You know, that's a that's a real tough question. <laughs> I rode at so many tracks, you know, just for this uh, short time period. Um, I rode so many good tracks. I, you know. There's a, there's a lot of tracks that I, I hate with a passion. <laughs> we'll get there first. Yeah, yeah, but which but, one do you like? I say my favorite. I, I say my favorite track would be uh, would be Thunder Hill, uh, Thunder Hill Raceway. 
here in Where's California. Where's that located? Okay. It's uh, Willows, California. So it's north of Sacramento, about two hours. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it's That's my favorite track. I, I pretty much grew up riding that track. And in my opinion, it's one of the most flowiest tracks. There's a lot of elevation. You know, for the bikes that I ride, um, we're not we're not a big fan of uh, braking too hard because we're down on horsepower. You know we're restricted, especially for Moto America too. Mm-hmm. It's a really flowy track. There's no there's no too much hard braking where you're going into the corner and you're braking really hard. Um, Thunderhill is very flowy. You know it's very flowy. It's not too much on and off with the. What's your braking. what's your top what's your top of the backstretch on that on your four hundred? Uh, the top speed. Eighty. Yeah, eight, maybe eighty. Now the top speed. We I hit one thirty five on it. Oh, one thirty five. On a good day. <laughs> okay. Right. So I seem like it's not it's not quite like, you know, big track like Road America where you're getting close to like 150, 160. It's going really up there because on the back stretch, it's quite pretty long. Or even uh, Laguna Seca. Uh, oh, yeah. Some of the stretch are pretty long where you really top your bike out. Uh, some, but see, like, that's a pretty cool track. Never, never heard it, but got to check it out too, man. Now let's talk about the opposite. A track you just like, I dread this track. I just... There's a passion to hate on it. Hate's a strong word. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a real easy question. I'll answer that right now. It's it has to be Willow Springs. <laughs> Willow Springs. Why so? It's in my opinion, just my personal opinion. I don't want to offend anyone. Willow Springs is probably my most hated track because of you know how old it is. Um, the scenery, it's in the middle of the desert. You know, there's there's not that good of a scenery. You look around, you're like, where the hell am I? You know. <laughs> you're just in the middle of nowhere um there, there's no showers there so you know if you if you're staying there for a race weekend and you know you're camping out you're spending the night there at the attic there's no showers so you know you you race all day you throw on your suit you know it's super hot because you're in the middle of the desert and you come back and you can't shower um the pavement terrible terrible pavement every time you're going down a front straight and you're going into a turn your bike is just like bah, 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 bah. The pavement is not smooth, and um, the rumble strips, especially, not smooth. Early in the morning, the rumble strips are super, uh, super wet, just because of the what kind of pavement and what kind of paint they put over the rumble strips. But just, just in general, the pavements, it's not good, and it doesn't really seem like they're trying to take care of it too, of the track. But that's that's by far the my most hated track. I personally think. Coming from a car guy who used to road race too, it definitely teaches you a lot of skills and experience. Because, you know, I'm not continuing trying to race you race on the street, but I'm just saying the track itself are usually always prepped and clean, right? Versus mm-hmm. some of this old track, for example, it's experience because it it is it, what it is, right? It's kind of rough, uh, and you just have to deal with it, rain or shine. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. Teach you a lot of experience from that. Uh, you know, again, you've been a road America, you're really gonna say a uh, so for the so many tracks, I want to talk about Thailand, the mm-hmm. first ever international, uh, you know, thanks to, you know, Cali Shine Racing and you know, Moto America picking you up, having the opportunity to ever race in Thailand. I want to talk more about that, man. Uh, not only the race thing, but what you did. I didn't know you were a philanthropist. You helped build a cafeteria in Thailand for these kids in poverty. And the name of this school, our cafeteria was named after you, Aiden Pao. On top of that, you donated a bike there. Dude, that's just like a round of applause right there. I gave it to you 
please do tell your experience from your travels from your racing. Okay, so uh, we we spent a total of uh, three weeks, three weeks in Thailand. Uh, we we traveled pretty much the whole country, and like I was telling my mom, like you know, this country isn't that big <laughs> compared to the United States. We we had a we had a personal driver uh, for that, that three week time span, and uh, he was a Hmong guy too. So you know, we it, it was pretty easy to communicate with him, and you know, he was a he he lived in Thailand, so he taught us a lot a lot about the culture and a lot about the the food and you know, just in general. And uh, this was beginning of 2020. This was January January of 2020 uh, before the whole pandemic and everything hit. And uh, thankfully thankfully it was before the pandemic because I wouldn't want to be in Thailand for three weeks, <laughs> three more weeks. Um, yeah, when we first landed, uh, we first landed in Bangkok and then, you know, we, we spent a few days there and then, uh, you know, we, we just, I remember when we went to Bangkok, I got really sick. I got really sick and I just stayed in the hotel for like three, four days straight because I didn't, I just didn't want to move. I'm not sure why I got sick. Um, could just be the air over there. The, the air is a lot different. You know, there could be a lot of, there could be a lot of possibilities. We stayed in Bangkok. Um, it was, it was different, you know, just seeing how much more alive is, is that the correct word? Just how much more alive and the, the community is over there, you know, at night, you know, there's night markets, you know, people, they set up and, you know, they, they sell stuff and, you know, there's the community over there. It's, it's very, it's very close. I would say. Um, after, after uh, Bangkok, we, we went up north to uh, Chiang, Chiang Mai. Um, I think we caught a flight to Chiang Mai to uh, Chiang Rai. And Chiang Rai is where we did uh, our first race of, um, in Thailand. We, we did a total of uh, two races. We, we did one race at Chiang Rai, and then we did another race at uh, Buriram, Thailand. And I'll get more into that in a, in a second here. Um, yeah, first race in, in Chiang Rai, uh, I, I placed fifth place. You know, it was a, it wasn't a track that I was, I'm used to riding. It was a, I would say, it's just a little bigger than a go kart track for a, for a motorcycle. Not, not too. It's, a, it's a very technical track, and it wasn't too wide. It wasn't long. I think our lap times was like maybe forty seconds, going one time. So it was pretty short. Uh, the one thing I wasn't used to over there was the the weather. Super humid over there. You know, I'm sure you're you're from Minnesota, and you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure you know about the humidity too. Uh, California, when I'm not too used to the the humidity, and uh, I remember just putting on my helmet and everything, and going out there riding, and I was like, man, I can't breathe. You know, the the humidity is is getting to me, but that wasn't too big of a factor. You know, that that didn't slow me down too much. I'd say I'm a pretty fit person. Um. Yeah, so I placed fifth place uh, at Chiang Rai, and then we shipped the bikes out uh, back to Cambodia with uh, one of our, our buddies uh, from Cambodia. And then after after our race, we went to uh, the school. Um, we went we went north to Chiang Rai, uh, and then we went to go visit the school. And you know, honestly, living here in the United States and seeing uh, what those what those children out there. Uh, you know what they what kind of condition they got to live in you know uh your mom too so i'm sure you've seen a lot of uh the movies and stuff i grew up watching movies uh mom movies with my my grandparents and 
I never really knew uh, how bad it was out there, you know. Uh, you know, the, the houses are just just like in the movies, like I always used to tell my mom and dad, I'm like, man, you know, I remember seeing like these villages, you know, on TV, on uh, long commercials and everything. And now it actually hits me and, you know, seeing uh, seeing the school that, uh, you know, their, their living conditions and, you know, their, their clothing over there, you know, it just made me realize um, how grateful I am, you know, to be a, a Hmong American citizen over here in the United States. You know where we have iPhones and you know nice houses. You know I, I have my license, I have a car. I, you know, but uh, it just it just made me feel a little bit more grateful for what I had here. And uh, I went to visit their school. Um, you know, I, I did a little speech over there. You know, in front of the kids, I, I explained to them who I am and what I was doing to uh, help them. Um, and I, you know, of course, I told them that I was I wasn't from. From Thailand or anywhere Southeast Asia, and I was from the United States, so I, I can't really speak Hmong too good. So, <laughs> someone, you know, they had to do a little bit of uh, translating a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we 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 donated a lot of uh, school supplies, and uh, you know, just just last year in 2020, uh, 2020 and 2019, uh, I used a lot of uh, I used all my contingency money. You know, all the yeah, all of the money that I make from, you know, club racing, you know, locally here around California. And, uh, you know, a lot of the money that I make off of uh, sponsorships and, you know, podium finishes. And, uh, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not going to get into numbers here because I, I think that's a little too confidential to uh, start speaking a little bit about numbers. But, yeah, I use a lot of my... Uh, you know, our money, a lot of our money, and the majority of it was my contingency money that I make from racing, and uh, we built them a cafeteria, and uh, like like you mentioned earlier, the cafeteria is named after me, I'll be donating a bike, and then uh, there'll be a, there'll be a framed picture of me in the cafeteria, so that, that's, uh, that's, I don't need to hear the numbers, but it just takes one like yourself to realize how I would say, however you call it, blessed, grateful uh, to see in really reality hitting the fan, right? Uh, um, when the bleep hits the fan, you know what I mean? It's just like, wow, I can't believe I see this in the movie. Like, Aiden, like, that background drop, it's, it's real, bro. Like, that's not some sort of makeup 3D graphic. No, that's real. Hut, people do live in there. And again, you actually was born in Madison, you know? And so you're a U.S. kid. So you really see, again... Having in your iPhone, your, your in your house, a car you drive, versus these kids who live in probably, um, this was I would say to say a culture shock maybe to you. It was indeed yeah, right. It was, it was, you know, like you said, uh, just just about, you know, uh, we had some family members that lived in that village too, where where we're building the cafeteria, and uh, you know, I walked inside the you know the, the villages. And uh, you know the, the huts and the ground is you know there's no carpeting there's there's no nothing you know it's just it's just dirt and then uh you know I, I they're showing me around the house a little bit there's there's no furniture there's there's no table you know their their bedroom is just made out of bamboo and uh some some uh you know some padding on for a bed uh their bathrooms over there you know it's just it's just kind of a, a hole in the ground you know. And, uh, you know, that, that, that shocked me, you know, for, for it being, you know, 2020, 2021, you know, some people are just, 
not uh they're just more how do, how do i put it you know just like i said you know just living here in the united states it's uh it, privilege maybe yeah yeah you just don't really see it outside until you see it yeah you don't really understand it until you see it but it is very awesome i can't yeah. express it as but too awesome you know to have all your money and your junior cup that you're racing to put toward x amount of money uh yeah. in this in this village uh that you help you know put together a cafeteria um you know, and it's it's just so awesome, man. You know? And then the school is called Bandam Rewang School, and it was it was really remote, actually, in the high mountains of my yeah. Sanayin, right? And this is amazing. There's kids, um, probably barely having clothes on their back too, um, but having this opportunity to go there, see it, experience it, not only help the school but race, and and you place fifth and eighth um, out of sixty racers. Oh yeah. Uh, for first experience of not only that of humidity, which you were not, um, you know, uh, aware of or ever have in California, and second off, the racers—they're just weaving in and out, and just rather than riding straight on the straight. Like, oh, yeah. how do you pass somebody? They're weaving in front of you because they're technically blocking you. That's what they're trying to do here. You know, that's, it's that's the whole point. <laughs> and you hate to take them out or two. You know what I'm saying? You got a purpose, but. Like, bro, you're rocking the way, you know, you want to take him out uh, on, a, on a turn. So that was a big experience, not only did the race, but to see poverty uh, and then your experience of being there for the first time. Uh, and it's so amazing to have a young man like self become a philanthropist and helping kids and having them proceed uh, to help build the school. And so I give you a round of applause for that big round of applause. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I want to talk more about racing too. You've been to all these tracks. Uh, give us some of your experience more about it. Share some experience with racing in the U.S. Racing in the U.S., you know, just, just in general. In general, yeah. Uh, so uh, racing in the U.S., it's, it's not as big. Uh, motorcycle racing, to be uh, more specific. It's not as big, you know, as in, uh, as in Spain, you know, as uh, over there in Europe, you know, over there in Japan. Uh, Thailand, they're really big into motorcycle racing over there, but United States, we're we're no, we're not we're not that known to be big and uh, racing in general. Uh, the competition level here, I would say it's it's pretty good. It's a uh, very good actually. The competition level here, you know, yeah, we're racing in the U.S., but you know, in in my class, uh, my junior cup class, we have kids from from Canada. You know, I got a good friend, uh, Jack Roach. From uh from Canada, we get we get a lot of people from Japan, we get a lot of people uh from from Spain over there from Spain. You know they do the Red Bull Rookies Cup and they come here. We have a lot of people just from all over the world, and you know the like I said the the competition it is just as good if not it's not if not better than the rest of the world because you have so much people from parts of the world trying to make themselves a career coming here to the United States. You know, you, you go to the paddock and there's, there's some guys out there, you know, that don't even speak English. You know, it's just because they're, they're here in America trying to make a career for themselves. Kind of like how when we went to Thailand, you know, to go race the, the circus over there, the programs over there. You know, you got people that, that's not from that country just out there racing, trying to make a career for themselves. 
that speaks a huge volume. And not only in motorcycle, but your soccer player as well, you know, baseball players as well. Like they eat and breathe that, you know, that whatever sport they are to really make it to you at, because you know their country is very full of poverty. Uh, so it speaks volume uh, that you know the, these younger men or women uh, in long term to Teplana, they're hungry for success to make. Um, you know, over the years of just racing. When you started to what you are now, you know, what's three things that you found to be improving on? You know, as, as a racer, there's there's a lot of things to improve on. You know, Mark Marquez, Valentino Rossi, they're the best in the world, but I'm sure they're still working on a lot of things themselves. Me, uh, I'd say, me, I gotta I gotta keep my my body in shape. That's one big thing. Like I mentioned earlier about uh, the humidity. Uh, last year we went to Atlanta, Georgia, and it was it was raining, and then you know the sun came out and it got real humid over there. And then, like like I said earlier about uh about Thailand, you know I'm just not used to that humidity, and it, it's not bad. You know the humidity doesn't really affect me too much, but when when you're out there, you're pushing really really hard. And sometimes you don't notice that you're going that fast and your body's using that much energy and you're doing 10, 12, 14 laps, you know, towards the end of the race, you start to slow down a little bit, you know, your, your body is, gets a little tired and you, you, you don't notice it because your mind is so, so focused on to, uh, so focused on to racing that you don't really notice it. But I, I would say I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty fit person for who I am, but getting uh getting more fit and just make sure making sure you're staying in shape that's a that's one big crucial thing just you just also, you also tell the experience uh one time when you were riding your little 400 cc and you were passing the 650 cc on the track i mean that has to do with all your experience am i correct oh yeah can you yeah, tell that, me about that experience that's uh that's why i like to do the formula two class when uh, when we go out and we do a uh, we do uh, club racing, I always do the Formula Two class, the Formula Two and Formula Three class. That's a uh, that's a 650 class, and I'm allowed to race my 400 against the bigger bikes. So the rules is a 600 can race the 1000 class, but the 1000s, if you're on a bigger bike, you can't jump down. Does that make sense? If you're on a smaller bike, yeah. Um, no, I I love racing against the big bikes. One because I'm down on power. So it makes me, it makes me uh, use a lot of mind knowledge and makes me ride harder, you know, to get in front of those guys and and to beat them. Uh, a lot, a lot of it too is a uh, you know just corner speed, corner speed, corner speed, because they're they're gonna get you on the straights no matter what. They have double the horsepower you of you and and your bike. So the only other way you're gonna get them is entering the corner, mid corner, exiting the corner. And what a lot of people don't know, too, is we have our race lines. I'm sure you know about it because uh, you're a big car guy. We have our race lines. We have our fast lines. We have our defensive lines. And you got you to gotta understand those three lines, and you got to understand what corners is the best corners to pass in and how to take that corner so you don't get passed back. A lot of the times is when you're racing a bigger bike and you get in front of him, one is that they're carrying more speed to a corner so they're gonna have to get on the brakes before you 
me on a smaller bike, I'm not carrying as much speed to the corner. So I have to, I'll use that as my advantage so I can outbreak them, get into the corner before them. So there, there's a lot to it, but that, that's one of my favorite, favorite races to do is to race against the bigger bikes because like I said, it just, it just puts me into a different mindset of, you know, how, how am I going to beat this guy because I'm down half this horsepower. Late breaking coming in the turn. My uh -huh. man coming in late, right? Really late breaking coming in, sneaking either from the inside or outside line and full throttle out. And, and uh, what, what happens if you get a little bump sideways, man? Uh, funny story. We actually have in the... It happened to me last, uh, just last week too. I was doing the Formula Two class, and then uh, they they got to the corner before me because they drafted me down the front straight. And then uh, he turned in, and I was on the the outside. And then she was running, he was running wide, and then uh, we made contact a little bit. Uh, you know, stuff like that happens to where you know you just go around them, or they just don't see you, and you know, you get slight contact or sometimes, you know, you make contact and both you guys fall down. But that's, that's just part of the sport. And, you know, one big thing too is, yes, you're racing, but you, you still got to respect, uh, you know, them as a rider too. You don't want to, sometimes you do got to play dirty, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's why I love uh, racing so much is, you know, you see Marquez and you see uh, Rossi battle low at the track, but you know, the second they come on, they come into the paddock and they take off their helmets, you know, they, they have that mutual respect for each other. All, all that battling and fighting happens off the track, but when they're in the paddock and they're talking and, you know, they have cameras all over them, you know, they're, uh, they have that respect for it. That's one big thing I like about racing as well, too. There's a good old saying that I was, I was taught, when in doubt, throttle out. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? Does your dad and mom think of back when he was helping her son, you know, too well at death trap on two wheels, then versus what she thinks of you now and what have you ever had accomplished? You know, to, to this day, uh, like, like you mentioned earlier, and like, like I said earlier, there's, there's a lot of, uh, I had to do a lot of begging, you know, to, to get my bike and, I know how my mom and my dad is. Sometimes, you know, every time actually I go out there, you know, they're 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 wishing me, you know, to stay safe. And you know, we do a lot of a uh, hopefully, you know, we 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 tie a lot of the strings uh, on the bike to uh, make sure I'm, I'm well protected, make sure I, I have a good race and I come back safe. Uh, that's 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 just how racing is. It's a really dangerous sport, and you know, there's a lot of things that you you just can't control. You may be a really good, safe rider, but the person behind you might you know, do something that might have set his bike and, you know, come in contact with you. You know, there, there's a lot of things where, you know, uh, racing is just that you can't control. There might, there might be oil on the ground that, you know, no one, no one's seen yet. And you hit that oil and maybe you high side or something. There, there's, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. So, I, you know, you, you, try, you try to eliminate as much as uh, those options as possible. You know, just you as a rider, and a lot of it is uh, your team as well. With, you know, with all these results of 2019 from, the, from having a ninth overall champion uh, in AFM and also being 
you know, I'm just going to sum up like first and third and whether it's a 400 CC Superbike Novice or the WERA West is 19 ranking from first to about four for third. Um, again, Moto uh, America Junior Cups, you know, you're a champion there, there in 019 again. Again, the WERD, I mean, I'm just, this is a lot of, of to go if I want to keep going, but to sum us up in 2020, you were 12th in Junior Cup Championship as well, too. Um, and one thing that, I, and of course, adding up to, to, to the fifth and eighth in Thailand as well, too. One thing I personally was going to ask you, Aiden, you know, there is an island between United Kingdom and Ireland, the population of 83,000. This so-called track is 300 turns. It is a street race. I've seen this in YouTube, and I've seen average speeds about 130-ish, and some of the high speeds of hitting, topping 200 miles per hour. It is considered one of the deadliest racetracks in the world. I said, it's a, not even, heck, it's not even a racetrack. It's a street track. It's not even a racetrack. And in 2014, do you know, 2014, there was 242 deaths. I don't know what it is now. You know, 242 has occurred. My question to you, would you ever take the opportunity to ride this track, a.k.a. the Isle of Man? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because, uh, you know, so as a, that's just not our goal. <laughs> that's just not one of our goals as of right now. Um, but uh, Valentino Rossi, I know he did, uh, he did do Isle of Man, uh, Valentino Rossi, when, uh, when he was a lot younger. Uh, I, I love I love to go out there and watch, you know. I, I love to, I'll go out there and love to see the bikes fly. And you know, me being a motorcycle racer, <laughs> me being a motorcycle racer, uh, that that's just that's just something that has to uh, that has yet to be decided. I'd love to if I had the opportunity to go out there, and I I love to uh, to test to see what I got. And me, I strongly believe that. I have, I'm, I'm capable, I'm very capable of doing Isle of Man, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Only, only time will tell, but like I said, if, if the time and opportunity does come along, you know, sure, we, we, might, we might do it, you know? I, I love you. I, I love I, Isle of Man, too. You know, you know, Aiden, I'm just watching here on YouTube, and I have a, I have a helmet on, just watching these guys. <laughs> I'm at home and I'm just watching guys on YouTube flying 200 down the back stretch. Uh, it's personally one of my goals is to watch it in person. Yeah. It'll be so it's, cool to watch it's, it. It's very scary because, like, like you said earlier, it's, a, it's not a racetrack. It's a street track. It, it's just a street and I believe, what was it, 20, 30 miles to the, to the finish line? About 30 miles, six laps. Um, yeah. It's either going to be barbed wires, trees, bricks. Woods, yeah. cliffs, yeah, yeah. So there's zero room for error. That's what I'm saying. So the racetrack where we race on, you know, there's there's a lot of room for a uh, for errors and you know a lot of runoff space. So if we end up going down, we, you know, we we have room to correct ourselves and get back on track. We have we have runoff space to where if we go down. You know, we have the the sand pit. We have the you know, we, we, we crash out into the grass and a uh, worst case scenario is you crash out into a, uh, what, what is that called? You, we crash out into uh, the, tires. the barriers. It, it's like the inflatable barriers, you know, they put yeah. on the wall. I, I tires, forgot what they yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it's nice and mushy. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With the battle scar on your bike, how'd you get the number 55? Number 55. So when I first got my race license, it was actually 755. Uh, 55 is my uh, Motor America number. 755. You know, we we were talking to uh, one of the AFM members, and we were trying to give myself a race number, and we're like, no, just give us a number that's free because <laughs> we, we, we weren't, we, I wasn't too picky to go on a race over, but you know, it is something that's gonna, you're gonna have to represent that number for, you know, for God who knows long until you get okay. that number one plate, you know. But yes, it, it first started off as a 755 and then, uh, and then 55 for Motor America. Okay. You mentioned Rossi. Uh, you know, as, as a great motorcycle rider, but is there motor race, motor race racer either in MotoGP or Moto America you follow and why? Or do you follow Rossi? I, I follow everyone. Uh, can you rephrase that? Like, what do you mean as in follow? You know, you look up to like the way they ride, the way they style, um, mm. and they're, you're, you're inspired by them, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I follow a lot of people. Uh, Mark Marquez, I look up, I look up to him too because he got into MotoGP when what, he was 17, 18, 19 years old. He got signed for for Honda and MotoGP already. And me being seven, 17, just imagine how good he has to be at my age to get assigned to Honda, you know, to MotoGP. That's what I look up to, you know, every day. And I think about the same thing. Uh, another good rider that I look up to would, would be a. Uh, SDK, Sean Dillon Kelly. He uh last year in 2020, he rode uh, for M4 Suzuki on the, the Jixer 600. He's uh based out of Florida and I, I got to know him a little bit too. And he's a he's a real nice, humble guy, you know, never seen a bad, always has a smile on his face. And he's only what four, four or five months older than me. So we're roughly about the same age, and this guy's battling for for championship. And in uh, the 600 class, the super sport class. And I looked at him and I, I got the chance to talk to him and I got a chance to, uh, you know, you know, see his personality a little bit too. And yeah, he's been racing when, uh, you know, when he could start walking, you know, he's been racing since he was like four or five years old. So he has a lot of racers experience and a lot of time on the bike, but you know, it's, it's kind of weird because we're, we're so close in age, but I still look up to him. Like as as if he's a you know a MotoGP rider like the you know Rossi or or Marquez because for how much that he accomplished at his age you know he was in Red Bull Rookie Cups when he was 14 15 years old he got signed to to Moto2 just this season uh, in 2020 and you know to me you know that that's really interesting and I find that real fascinating you know for for how young he has to be. To uh, to be at that skill level to compete in the Moto MotoGP ready in Moto Two, so and we're we're the same age, so you know we we get along pretty easily. You know, you know we talk and and everything. It's it's just uh it's just a big you know big big story. Of Man, if you were in Moto, if you were in Moto Two, I want to see you go up against. Me. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that yeah, that's the plan. That, yeah, that is the plan. Oh, awesome! I'd love to see this action between you and him. Uh, in same class, same bike, and just go head to head, see where the, sh- the skills really shine uh, and experience. Um, you know, this, this um, you know, besides just you know racing, 
and more racing. What about your plans for racing and a college? My plans for racing, so it's, it's a, I'm 17 right now. This is my senior year of high school. And uh, I go real seriously, just, you know, just as important as racing I do. And then uh, I, I'm trying to, I just assigned for, uh, for Fresno State here, here in Fresno. And, you know, I, I plan on taking a lot of uh, business classes on the side too, you know, while I'm still doing my racing. Uh, plan A is, uh, you know, you, you always need a backup plan, you know. So I'm, I'm taking a business classes right now for college. And after Motor America, we plan on going to, uh, we plan on going overseas. So plan A is get as far as we can with racing and, and uh, try to get into work Superbike or, or MotoGP. But, uh, you know, like I said earlier, it's also really good to have a, a backup plan. Because motorcycle racing is a really dangerous sport, and like how like how I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of things that you can't control, and a lot of possibilities, and a lot of things that could go wrong while racing on a bike. You know, you're going 200 miles per hour down a front straight. You never know what could go wrong. And say if I get injured and I can't ride a motorcycle no more, I I need a plan B. I need a I need some type of way to get a you know, to get money and, you know, help support my family, you know, help support, you know, just, just in general, you, you always need a plan B because uh, motorcycle racing is such a dangerous sport that you, you really never know what, what could ever go wrong too. With what's, uh, what's this coming uh, race schedule? I heard rumor about uh, Motor America coming to the Midwest. Yeah. So uh, Motor America, we, we first start off in uh, April 30th at a, Atlanta, Georgia. That's the first race of the season, and we we go to uh, Road America, Wisconsin, uh, June 10th, so around summertime. And then, you know, Road America, the, the way they do it is like they like to shoot, you know, West Coast, East Coast, and then Midwest, and they just kind of travel all over the place. And uh, Brainerd, uh, Minnesota, will be there July 30th to uh, August 1st. Uh, I'm real big. I'm really excited for Brainerd because you know that's that's where the majority of the, the Hmong population is here in the United States. And uh, Brainerd is, it's not too far from, uh, you know, St. Paul, Minneapolis, uh, where, where you guys are from. So super excited to go out to Brainerd. Uh, super excited to see all my fans that's going to come out to uh, Brainerd and support me. And uh, yeah, just, just overall super excited for uh, Road America, Wisconsin. I have a lot of fans coming out there too. And I'll have a lot of fans that'll be out to, uh, to Brainerd. I'm excited as well too to see out here in the Midwest. You, uh, your dad took you as a kid out to Road America when you were as a kid, and you watched it. And of course, you raced it. Brainer, you you never been there nor raced there, right? Okay, so it's a new track for you to race as well. Exciting, man! I'm super excited for that too. So super excited to see you out here. Just to wrap things up, man. Um, we just got recent news that you are a young gun. And you are the top of the gun chosen by Moto America and Racing World. Uh, the nominated for this coming for this coming year, man. Congratulations, dude. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. I look forward to that uh, announcement uh, when it's all said and done and you're all done. So I'm pretty sure to have that posted as well, too. You know, just to wrap things up, Aiden, I really appreciate your time. You know, what does it mean to be a Hmong man? 
you know, being being Hmong, you know, it's it's real it's real special because you know we we all come from the same background. We all come from the you know the same rich history from from you know like from Laos. So we we all have that same you know perspective of of things too. And there's so much history that I find it fascinating. And there's so much to talk about, you know, on our history. I could I could be here for an whole hour, you know, talking about it. But you know, I I, I could just say I'm really proud to be Hmong, and you know, I'm real proud to be a uh, real proud to be uh, the first Hmong professional motorcycle racer, because you know I I never really noticed it until you know sometime last year of uh, how much support I get from uh, from a lot of my sponsorships, you know. Uh, a lot of uh, the people that look up to me and, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm just real surprised with how much support I get from the Hmong community in general. Uh, last, what is it, 2018, uh, 2018, I went to the, the Hmong New Year out there before, uh, no, it was 2019. 2019, I went to uh, the Hmong New Year and uh, I put my, my bike on uh, display and, I, and uh, I was there for three days straight. I was signing uh, autographs. I took pictures with a lot of people. and. I was exhausted because of how much people, you know, <laughs> I was exhausted because how much people, you know, uh, actually knew me and looked up to me and wanted to meet me and hear my story a little bit too. So, you know, just, just in general, uh, I'm very proud to be Hmong and, you know, I, I try, I try my best to, to give back what I have back to the Hmong community, like, uh, like the school in uh, Chiang Rai. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to uh, try my best this year and, and, you know, shoot for, for what I believe in and get it towards like uh, a few years from now. So we're rooting for you. Aiden, what advice would you give the even younger 14 year old Aiden uh-huh. about becoming a pro motorcycle racer? Like, like I said earlier, it's, uh, it's never, never in a million years. I thought I'd be a professional. You know, I, I, I wanted to get a bike, you know, just to be just to be a regular street rider, you know, maybe commute on a motorcycle every day, maybe go go to school on a bike, you know, go to work or get coffee on a motorcycle. Never, never I thought I'd be a, a pro professional motorcycle racer, you know, racing all over the all over the world. But the the one thing I could say about, you know, younger Aiden is just to be patient. <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of time and room you know to learn and you know i made a lot of errors in the past and you know a lot of uh expensive errors i would say you know the the bike i'm on is probably my eighth or ninth tenth bike but there's there's a lot of things that goes to it too yeah i went through a lot of bikes and you know, i totaled and wrecked a lot of bikes you know it's it's very expensive motorcycle racing is is isn't you know a really cheap sport but at the same time, I learned so much from all those crashes, you know, you know, going through all those bikes. You know, I, I had two R3s and, you know, I had my Ninja 250. I crashed that many times. I dropped it many times. My R3s, I totaled both of them. My 400s, God knows how much 400s I went through. If, if, you're, if you're a rider and if you guys are watching this, you guys know me personally, you guys know how much, you know, how much bikes I went through as in this short amount of time span but yeah like i said you know just just to be patient but me i i look at the bright side of it 
you know, if I didn't have all this crashing and if I didn't go through that much bikes, I probably wouldn't be where I am right now. Lastly, where can we get a hold of you? Where can we find you? Where can we follow you, man? Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I'm, I'm not too, too active on my Facebook account, um, but my, my Facebook is, is just my name, Aiden Tao. Um, you could uh, you could stay tuned and watch uh, watch us live on uh, Cali Shine Racing and Cali Shine Import Production. Um, there, there we we we're, we're pretty we're very active on Cali Shine Racing, and when I'm out at the racetrack and I'm out there racing, you you get a uh, you get updated as soon as possible. You know, just when that second goes off. Um, you can follow me personally on my Instagram at a a.tao03. So a dot tau three. Uh, I'm I'm more active on Instagram. You know, just this younger generation of kids. We're not we're not too much on Facebook, but uh, yeah. If if you want to talk to me personally, just uh, shoot me a message on on Messenger or follow me on Instagram. Shoot me a direct message. But if you want to stay up to date on my racing uh, and you want to be uh, notified really quickly, follow uh, Kelly Shine Racing. That's my my major sponsor, my title sponsor, and We'll, you'll be up to date really fast on Tyler Shine Racing. This one's a little bit off the books. Speaking of shooting on DMs, is Aiden single? <laughs> yes, uh, I I am at the moment. Uh, there's I, I had many relationships in the past, but uh, you know, women they're they're really they're nice you know to have, but that, that's not really on my mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> you have your answers, ladies. Well, hey, thank you so much, Aiden, for your time. Had an amazing time, learned a lot about you. And uh, thank you so much, man. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, thank you for inviting me out to the show and uh, doing the interview. Well, that ends our episode. If you haven't yet, visit our website at www.momentalk.com or find us on Facebook, Moment Talk. Lastly, if you're listening on, on us on a podcast from Stitcher or Spotify, google play or itunes please give us an honest rating also want to give a shout out to the intro and outro at coolcookedup.beatstar.com check it out for the latest beats he's pushing out